Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Watch out, people. This is a hostage situation. Oh, let me go. I'm going to get people to subscribe to my Patreon at patreon.com slash MatthewDonald. Or damn it, this old lady gets it. Please. Don't hurt me. I've been a widow since 1947. I would love to see my great-granddaughter graduate college. Quiet, you. Oh, no. At patreon.com slash MatthewDonald, you can find bonus content for both my shows, The Ritwit and Paleobites. For the Paleobites bonus content, we discuss pop culture featuring prehistoric animals. And this month, we're talking about the classic 90s sitcom Friends. Oh, I love that show. The ladies and I watch that every Tuesday night before. Quiet, you old bag! Oh, no! I bet you're wondering, what the hell does that have to do with paleontology? There's no dinosaurs in that. (laughs) You forget, though, that Ross, one of the six lead characters, and probably the lead character, although none of them are lead characters in a technical sense, as it's an ensemble. Yes, it is! Shut up! But he is a paleontologist, and there are quite a few episodes that have to deal with his paleontological work. I mean, you know, he doesn't go on a dig or anything, but he and Rachel first sleep together in the Homo habilis exhibit. So how much more paleontological can he get, honestly? Going at it like animals, like their Homo habilis ancestors. Link is in the description. Thank you for support. Have a good day. Except for you, you old lady. Because if you don't subscribe to my Patreon, this old lady will get it, I swear to God. Oh, I've broken free from my confines. I'm going to whack you with my handbag. You've been a bad boy. Your mother would be very disappointed in you. Subscribe to my Patreon. Roar. Growl. Snarl. Bellow. Welcome to Paleo Bites, the podcast more two-headed than Diplocalos. <laughs> My name is Matthew Donald, and each week I and a rotating series of guest co-hosts talk about and rate a genus of prehistoric animal, be it dinosaur, mammal, arthropod, and so on. This week, I'm joined by the most two-headed person I know. Not uh, no, no, you're okay. <laughs> I was like, I beg your pardon. You're no. so two-headed, you're practically three-headed. <laughs> is that I, how it works? <laughs> it I, I, I do have double vision. That's true. Do so, you? Wait, what? I do. Surprise. Oh, cool. Yes. I have glasses. <laughs> I used to wear glasses. But yeah, like uh, my eyes, my right eye is stronger than my left eye. You have kind of a lazy eye? Is, what is it? Like, it one of your used eye goes down. to be a lazy eye. Oh, oh yeah, that's yeah, right. It, it does look a little but, better now. Yeah. But like, okay, like I'm looking at you across the table yeah. from a fair distance. So when I switch between my left and right eye, you probably don't notice too much of a difference. But my eyes shift and the farther away I look, the bigger 
Oh, yeah, like Ferb and Phineas and Ferb, we always just one eye bigger than me. Kind of, <laughs> depending kinda, on which perspective you're looking. You know, kinda, yeah. <laughs> so like, I see you, and then I see another you on top of you, but I know there's only one you. And oh, how do you? That sounds annoying. I'm so sorry. I get around it because my left eye is much weaker, and I can just shut it off and just focus out on my right. Oh, that's eye. cool. Wow, I didn't realize you had to deal with all that. Wow. Eh. Almost uh, looks like it looks like a Forrest Whitaker eye. <laughs> honestly, I've been dealing with it since preschool, but yeah, no, I, it was never diagnosed until, like, college. Yeah, no, like, um, <laughs> I definitely remember, actually, like, I mean, not to get too into it, but I remember that was one of the first things I noticed about you was your slightly sunken left eye. Ah. So. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I didn't realize that it caused so many complications like that. Uh, it's got all sad all of a sudden. <laughs> like, oh, no, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> I guess that's true. We all have whatever. I mean, uh, uh, the worst thing is that it messes my depth perception. So, yeah. Well, uh, did you not realize that I'm a hundred feet away from you and I'm just shouting this whole time? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> I can barely hear you. Speak up. All right, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, it, it, I know. I think it's cool when like they people like we're getting more accepting of like those kind of things, especially in, like movies and whatnot. You know, like in Godzilla vs Kong, uh, that little girl, actual deaf actress. Yeah, yeah, she's amazing. Uh, have you seen Hawkeye? It's just come out recently. Oh, like the Marvel? Yeah. Okay. The, the, nah, the, the Disney Plus. There is a uh, character in it, Echo, uh, actual deaf actress. Oh. Um, and this is actually one of her first acting roles. She also has a prosthetic leg, which apparently she also has too. So I don't know. Mm, good on great. her for finding roles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if you watched the show La Brea or if you've heard of it. No. It's um, where people around the La Brea tar pit suddenly fall through a sinkhole that sends them to 10,000 years ago. Oh. And um, there's a girl... Oh, wait, no, I've seen this. this. is the one that, like, yeah, I've seen, yeah, people talk about on... It's a it's a, it's a a very screwy drama. Yeah, I've heard people were getting excited about it and then like, actually, wait, is this actually that good? <laughs> it's like, I mean, like, you only see pre- prehistoric animals for, like, two episodes and then the rest is just people talking and going well back that's and forth. boring yeah it's ridiculous it's like the like, movie Alpha. where's the saber tooth damn it but anyway i brought it up because there is a girl who actually has a prosthetic leg in real life and yeah no she you know it's, she got an acting role and she's doing great so. it's like it's yeah. like uh peter dinklage you know it's like he tries mm-hmm. to avoid playing like actual dwarves or like uh trolls or other sort and of if, yeah, yeah. Or, or um i mean he he did he of, co- of course if he wants to work he does do it occasionally like obviously game of thrones also in the second narnia movie um he was one of the characters there uh dwarf huh. and also i love uh, i imagine when he was getting offered the role in uh, avengers infinity war he's <laughs> like like we're gonna talk about this role okay you're gonna be a dwarf Oh, fair enough. Oh, so you're going to be 15 feet tall. What? A giant dwarf. I loved it. I loved it. It's so perfect. <laughs> and I've seen, like, you know, behind the scenes footage, you see him, and he's got, like, little cardboard cutouts of what Thor, where he's supposed to look down at, like, Thor and Rocket, whatever. So it's just, it made, him, it made him look so huge. I'm sure he felt so huge. He must have. I bet he enjoyed it. Also, he's that. a good voice actor, too. Like, uh, he was in Destiny, although he did get replaced uh, recently. But he was also in uh, the fourth Ice Age movie. He was the villain. He was the voice of oh. the... Uh, the Gigantopithecus. Nice. <laughs> All right, because he's got a good, deep, gravelly, evil voice. And then he was in um, X-Men Days of Future Pets. Yes. Where he played, yeah, he's kind of the villain in that one. But, you know, they make no references to his, uh, to him being uh, a, a dwarf or right. a little person. Is that the proper Yeah, yeah little person is yeah. the technical. I mean, they, it does have dwarfism. It's like, it's a yeah, type of dwarfism. They don't, they don't make a reference to his dwarfism yeah. at all. He's just a character, which is cool. Like, it is know. cool. And like, I, I guess like the thing like with Elf, that like, was one of his first big roles where right. that is play, played for comedy, but this is kind of different. I think that was early on in his career too. So I, I could see him more like 
I mean, also, I don't know, that, it's kind of a different sort of version of it. It's not like, it wasn't making fun of him, it was making fun of Buddy for, right. for saying, you're in health. Like, like, so, it wasn't uh, portrayed too bad, I guess. I don't, like, but, no. anyways, good on him. Anyways, point is, you know, people like that, you, you can get good roles. No dinosaur-related question again. <laughs> <laughs> We've been, that's been our theme lately. We're just going off on tangents. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard because most of my dinosaur-related questions are terrible. It's like, what is I asked someone at one point, uh, uh, Laura Owsley, who is also queer, I asked her at one point, if you could have two dinosaurs be lesbians, which ones? <laughs> She thought it was great, but I was just like, where does this come from? <laughs> we decided on Nanookosaurus and Pachyrhinosaurus. <laughs> Sure, why not? <laughs> because uh, Nanookosaurus possibly hibernated because it was a polar bear lizard and lived, oh. and uh, also had white feathers. It's like, okay, so what's one with sort of darker feathers? Was like, so it could have because like, apparently, apparently in movies, uh, lesbian couples tend to be a blonde and a brunette. Really? According to her, I don't know. <laughs> but she would know. She would know. <laughs> but I guess it kind of makes sense to want to make their your romantic leads look different, <laughs> tell them apart visually. True. So I was like, well, Pachyrhinosaurus, we think, might have had brown feathers like a muskox, and it lived in the same time and place. <laughs> so like, cool, our lesbian relationship is between a Pachyrhinosaurus <laughs> and a Nanookosaurus. <laughs> Predator and prey. It's like Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> so. so. Anyways, we're talking about a cow. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know why I keep bringing this. Why do I keep derailing the show? What's wrong with me? <laughs> We're, talk so, we're talking about... Not just any cow. Yes, we're talking about the Aurochs, or Boros Primogenius. Boros Primogenius, like the prodigy... The pro the progenitor cow. But with the, with the, I'm, it's, a, it's a cow, guys! Boros Primogenius. Primogenius, yep. Mm. Like the progenitor, I guess is the term. Like the original Aurochs. Uh, I can't find like, it in my book. I have the Princeton's Field Guide to uh, Prehistoric Mammals. I mean, it's not really prehistoric. I mean, it started out prehistoric, but it lived quite a while. I mean, and, yeah, it lived so for a long time. So it might not time, be in there. And it's ex Yeah, maybe that's why. Because it went extinct. I mean, you'll probably talk about I'm going to talk later. about that here. I actually have the exact year it went extinct. First with the show. <laughs> so, um, type is bovid. A group of artiodactyls, even toed hoofed animals that include they're cows, guys. They're just cows. Yes. <laughs> uh, size, cow-sized. Cow more specifically, you say big cow size. Even more specific, fine. Five to six feet, just 105 to 108 meters at the shoulder. 1,500 to 3,300 pounds, 700 to 1,500 kilograms. So this was a big cow. Very big animal, uh, yes. Diet, whatever cows eat. So herbivore. <laughs> <laughs> All four stomachs eating the, the grass. Uh, time, mid-Pleistocene to early Holocene, 1.8 million years ago to, and this is the first of the show, 1627. <gasps> that is the exact year. We've documented the exact year it died. I was hoping to find the exact date, too, so I could say 1.8 million years ago to Tuesday, July 6, 1627. That would have been, oh, darn it. <laughs> Which, by the way, I did check July 6, 1627. It was a Tuesday. <laughs> so, Good to know. <laughs> um, uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't find it. Get better records, historians. <laughs> so, uh, location all throughout Africa, Europe, and Asia. It was described in 1827. Pop culture appearances? Uh, I'm sure there's more than this. I'm sure there is. But I remember in the video game Age of Mythology, it was a creature you could hunt. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> like, cool. 
That's all I got, though, but I'm sure there's way more. They do show up in the Chronicles of Ancient Darkness book series. Yes, I'm uh, sure which, also. Yeah. Like the, the Children of the Earth or whatever, those that series with like... Definitely that one. Too. Yeah, I'm assuming they're in that. Yep, so anyways, this is how I'm starting my... Um, you know, like I always talk about these stats and this other stuff, and then I start with the uh, main meat of the show. And speaking of meat, this is how I'm starting with this here. You like burgers? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know Steven here doesn't eat them anymore, and good on you. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it was a it was a tough decision to. I did it mostly for environmental reasons. Yeah, but you know, I I'm not one of those people that knocks people who still eat beef. You yeah, if you I like just, beef, I, I'm go not ahead. I'm not strong enough. I love I love meat. <laughs> okay, I do like white meat more, which is good because that's usually better for you, anyways. Uh, also, fish is also really good. And I think that's also the best for you, honestly. I'll eat anything honestly if it's fried and breaded, though. <laughs> like anything. I love calamari. <laughs> maybe not anything, but maybe not Rocky Mountain oysters. Speaking of cows, anyways. I just still eat turkey and chicken. Turkey is like the most bland meats. All, all the meats to form a whole holiday around. Why turkey? I yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> chicken is so much better than turkey. Turkey is just, it's like tuna. Out of all the fish, tuna. Ugh, tuna's nasty. It's so bad. Ugh. Cod is what I'm at. Good old Arctic cod. Breaded. Fish and chips. Yes. Mm, so good. Okay, so. Back to cows. Yes, back to cows. Uh, <laughs> a, the sole cause of global warming through their farts. Yes, it's their fault, not ours. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm deflecting the blame. <laughs> First people said climate change isn't real. Then they said it's real, but it's natural. There's nothing to do with man. And now they're saying, okay, it is real. It is humans. But it's not us. It's our. It's the fact that we eat like like cows too much. It's a. It's a. It's a huge chunk of. It is problem. a huge chunk. Yes. But I'm just, no. I'm kidding. Obviously, it's not. That's not the only reason. Right. <laughs> obviously, I'm just doing this because I know it would piss you off. Right. <laughs> 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 I don't want you to fume too badly. <laughs> but no, that is one of the reasons. It also is, in fact, one of the um, ways that we could potentially find whether or not a planet far out in space is occupied or is not occupied is has life on it if in the atmosphere and the composition we find a lot of methane it's probably alien farts ew <laughs> but that, whatever works to find life i guess yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> before we get into like the aurochs and where it comes from evolutionarily speaking and all this stuff let's get something out of the way it is aurochs <laughs> ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yes. Not Oroch. The single is not Oroch. 
And the plural is not Oroxes. I think I even mentioned Auroch in a previous episode. And you said it in a really smug, too. I and believe it is pronounced Auroch. Yes, I, I, yes, I, I, re- I recant that. It is Aurochs. Good on you. <laughs> and here's why it is Aurochs. It comes from the Greek. from Well, it comes from Greek and German. It makes it Greek and German. Or is an Old Norse word coming from the Latin Eurus, meaning original or primordial. And the ox is being more modern German. That means ox. <laughs> It's where the etymology of the word ox comes from, and thus the two have compounded to form the word aurochs. Language is fun. As an English major, just let me have this one, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. uh, So, back in the Pliocene, the epoch just before the Ice Age Pleistocene, it was starting to get cold and dry, and dry enough for grasslands to flourish all around the area, particularly in Europe, which supported the evolution of large grazers. Other species of cows made their way toward Europe, reaching there roughly 270,000 years ago. Evidence of aurochs, though, in Asia comes from India, Tibet, Korea, and even Japan. Now, how the heck do they get there? Japan? <laughs> like, Well, sea level must have been lower at the time. I, I mean, it was. I mean, during the Ice Age, but was it that much lower? I, it must uh, have been for I guess. Ambridge, I guess. I like to think they built a boat. <laughs> <laughs> There's a plot twist. <laughs> they were more sophisticated than we thought, guys. Uh, uh, so, But there's also been found in Africa, particularly in the Hoggard Mountains in Algeria. And there's evidence that the African variant survived all the way up to the Roman times. Mm. Back in the Ice Age, though, the aurochs thrived, living alongside mammoths, woolly rhinos, and all sorts of other megafauna. But once the Ice Age ended, though, and all the other megafauna went extinct, aurochs survived, and was the biggest herbivore of early Holocene Europe. So, mm-hmm. and the end of the Ice Age, though, and the beginning of the Holocene also comes another <laughs> creature <laughs> to... Gee, I wonder who this uh, could be. It's his man. <laughs> the, the real enemy is man. Because as soon as the Ice... I mean, they were around during the Ice Age, of course, obviously, but they were hunter-gatherers. Once the Ice Age ended, they, they were like, huh, you know, we could actually settle down, maybe plant some stuff, maybe do some agriculture. And thus began the Neolithic Revolution. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> In order to have all these farms you also need to have some animals and what there's all these aurochs around <laughs> might as well yeah they got tired of hunting them so they started corralling them yep. and you know farming breeding them breeding and... them to become more like the eurasian cattle that we know of today and mm. it's funny because like there's different types of aurochs and they became different types of cattle and the uh, indian aurochs was bred into the modern zabu cattle if you remember the veggie tales classic the song of the sabu <laughs> I grew up in a Christian household, so... So that's what a Zabu is. Yes! I thought it was just some nonsense thing that Larry was singing yeah. about. Yeah! <laughs> it's a descendant of the Indian Aurochs. I bet you did not expect that to be No, I did show. not. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, so the Sabu is a uh, descendant of the Indian aurochs. While the Eurasian aurochs was bred to the taurine or European cattle, which is what most cattle are today. Like, if you go out there in the stockyards, we, we both went to college up in Greeley. <laughs> I live in Windsor, which is a skip from Greeley, so yeah. there yeah. are days I'll go outside and I'll still smell it. Yeah, smell that Greeley is what I used to say. Even though it wasn't really Greeley's fault, it was Gilcrest's fault. Those were all the slaughter farms. Gilcrest. Were for, <laughs> really just got the blame because it was the quote-unquote big city of the area right right and so and there was there would be a wind that would come in and blow it on it, like you would definitely would smell it in Greeley I'm not saying you wouldn't but it's not Greeley's fault technically no <laughs> <laughs> so the ancestral aurochs remained in the wild in the wild areas of Europe uh, and Asia and once AD or the common era began uh, the growing human populations kept it confined to the most remote regions of northeastern Europe. Hunting aurochs became quite common, but then eventually the aurochs population dwindled to the point where it was only restricted to nobles and then only to royals. 
and then eventually hunting stopped altogether. In fact, poaching oryxes became a crime punishable by death, so good on humans for trying to protect them even back then. A little last minute, but yeah. Uh, yeah, well, that's the thing. The damage was already done. It was far too late at this point because there was still unrestricted hunting, you know, like poachers, so like you know, who weren't doing, who were doing it just for the thrill of it. Harder to enforce back then. Yes, uh, dwindling habitats due to farmland development, and also diseases transmitted by domestic cattle. Ooh. Uh, meant that their extinction was only a matter of time. The last recorded live aurochs was a female who died in 1627 in Poland of natural causes, thankfully, but uh, wasn't mm-hmm. she wasn't hunted. Uh, but I want to say it was a cow. It's like they're these are all cattle, and that was a cow. So yes, <laughs> so it wasn't a bull. It was a cow, uh, but. And thus the world was never the same. Then again, it was just a big cow. We got plenty of big cows. Am I going to get burgers after this? I'm going. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is unfortunate because, like, I've read that aurochs, you know. They're they're, huge for one thing. Yeah, they're gigantic animals. They're really cool. Like, um, and, and sometimes you forget just how big animals are. Like, so you see, like, horses or whatever on movies. Like, oh, that's pretty big. But you see one in real life, like, oh, my God. I mean, like, You're enormous. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, and, I mean, you know, wolves became dogs. And mm-hmm. we still have wolves around today. That's true. Thank goodness. That's why those people are like, oh, if evolution is a thing, how come and monkeys came from, humans came from monkeys, why are there still monkeys? Uh, <laughs> it's not Pokemon, guys. Not, <laughs> right. That's not how this works. <laughs> 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 but yeah, like I mean, it's unfortunate that you know uh, the original cows are not around anymore. Yeah, and um, I'm actually surprised how long they lasted. This is one of the few animals that we're talking about that gets into true historic times rather than just prehistoric. There's been a few others. Dinornis, the giant moa, from right, right, yeah, right. It lived up to 600 years ago. Up until this creature, this was the, that was the latest animal to have died on this show. <laughs> now we're getting up there. Uh, and eventually, if the show goes on long enough, we'll have a lot more content. <laughs> End of the show will get a lot more depressing. Uh, hopefully not. <laughs> 20 years from now, I'll be like, welcome, we're talking about the Bengal Tiger. Ah, <laughs> uh, hell no, not if I have anything to say about it. <laughs> Good I on have, you. I, so. have, I have hope that we're going to turn things around. It's, we are slowly. A bit slowly. Not and like, as fast as I'd prefer, but, you know. I mean, like, if you look at, like, the, what we're doing to global warming now, like, our greener purpose practices now, compared to, like, the 70s, where we just didn't give a care, mm-hmm. it's so much better now. Right. Like, and, like, we're, we're going to get some effects of climate change. Obviously, it's inevitable. I think we've avoided the absolute worst. Mm. I think. Or, at the very least, the ones we're going to get now... Aren't gonna, I mean, it'd be nice to not get any bad effects at all. That's too late at this point. I keep hearing, you know, we have 10 years, however long it is, before... See, I as much as I believe that, and that's true, could that also just be to incentivize people? Because I've heard that for longer than 10 years at this point, so... It could be. <laughs> it could be that they're just trying to get, you know... Like, climate change is... Uh, I mean, it's obviously happening, absolutely. Yes. But it's, it's um, hard to pinpoint. Mm-hmm. Like, because, I don't know. The Earth's climate is so complicated that we're not entirely sure what's going to happen here, what's going to happen there. Well, so also, I wonder if it's not exactly 10 years or else. Yeah. But they they know, like, you know, 10 years. And also, to be fair, it could be uh, 10 years for us to make changes to us to avoid this bad stuff. Right. And then we pass that. And we're like, okay, we avoided that bad stuff. Now, 10 years for this bad stuff, slightly better stuff. It's but, not a good point. But, so... Well, the story. If you're listening to this, cut your carbon emissions. Recycle. Guys. Recycle. <laughs> Although it's sad. It makes me feel so sad. Like, it's like, what really can we do when, like, 75% of the emissions are from just 100 companies? Uh, well, I mean, I it is why I gave up beef. Because yep. the carbon, the um, 
uh, amount of resources that go into producing beef. Um, it's a, it's outrageous. Like how much water is used to make one yep. one hamburger, not to make uh, you see, feel no, guilty. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I to wanted to go to guilty. this local joints. It's so good. But you know, if everyone had beef once a week or twice a week. To be fair, this is like the only burger I've had for a week. <laughs> no, a couple days, <laughs> but still. But yeah. not not all not as often yeah. as I used. To. Like if everyone just cut back, not yeah. even just dropped it, but cut back, that would have a big impact. It would. It would. And eventually we'll get to the point, hopefully, where we can just grow the meat without the animal. <laughs> That's true. It's We're working on it. It's really weird for me to think about, but I might actually start eating beef again if they, if they figure that yeah, out. Yeah, because, like, it's getting close. Because it is just genetic material. It's so weird, though. It's science. <laughs> um, also, guys, if you ha- have heard of Ecosia, E-C-O-S-I-A dot org, it is a search engine like Google. Um, but the money that they generate plants trees. Oh, really? Easiest thing you can do. You that's... can help save the planet by searching online. <laughs> that's true. I mean, look, God, I can't believe it's so difficult. Like, I know we have, we need lumber, but surely you can have tree farms, right? Right. Well, you know. But people are just still chopping down the woods. <laughs> uh, like, I mean, I get it. It's it's complicated. There are some people in third world countries where they are desperate to feed their families and somehow mm. that's the only way they can do it. Yeah. So, you know, we need to we need to be smart about it. We need to try to help those people in addition to planting more trees. I watched I saw this video that was kind of sad that kind of explained why there's third world countries versus like more developed countries and why it's kind of inevitable that it'll be that way because the uh the goods that third world countries uh which I, I guess also I've heard is a problematic term so uh, less developed countries um less modernly developed countries the goods they develop tend to be like just agriculture and other stuff and that which is helpful but like what the goods that the, the more developed countries develop are like microchips and like mm. uh other stuff that stuff that requires more developed technology right in order to make and that is also makes it more expensive which makes the economy kind of self fluctuate into those more developed countries while the less developed countries who whose only export that they can really give is agriculture they will never get the money they need to become more developed. If because they're, they're just stuck. They're just stuck. In agriculture. Yeah, so. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, so there, there should be a way around. I think there is a way around. I mean, and again, it's, it's the whole, like, you know, again, don't want to go into the colonialism with, like, oh, we need to give them roads. You know, it's, it's like, you know, in Pocahontas when, like, John Smith tries to say, like, oh, we'll build roads and bridges and others and cities and other stuff. And he's like, but, but we're, we're good here. Right, <laughs> like, we don't need all that. Like, we're... <laughs> What you mean is not like you, is what Pocahontas said. So Exactly. So, but in terms of, like, the development, and I guess it is, is if they're happy, they should be happy. Well, we should help them in terms of diseases, in terms of other stuff. Right. Like, make sure they can feed their families and other stuff. But, uh, it's a whole anthropology issue that, like... Going very Let, deep and let's, let's rate Aurochs one out of sixty five million, shall we? <laughs> Us privileged white guys. Back to cows. <laughs> I'm gonna give Aurochs I'm gonna give it like a thirty million. It's just a big cow. I mean it's a big cow. It's important, I guess. Without it we wouldn't have cows. <laughs> I'll give it thirty five million. Because yeah. it it's really it is a cow. But it's really cool. Yeah. And I like the Aurochs 
uh, relative. This is what we start talking about on the show when I talk about in that World of Kong, a natural history of Skull Island, where there's like Oroch's descendants fighting off some Venatosaurus. Oh, really? I did. I missed that page. <laughs> oh, it's so cool. <laughs> and I probably would be able to fight it off. It's a big cow. You fighting off it's dinosaurs? Big enough, yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. That's just cool. I love that. I love seeing them mix like that. <laughs> um, in the Chronicles of Ancient Darkness series yeah not only do they have regular aurochs that show up they have a clan named after the aurochs and in their mythology there's the world spirit who's basically god and then there's the um the red aurochs who is like the devil oh really yeah like he got like the world spirit and the aurochs fought and you know there's this whole cosmology so like there's a red star in the sky and they believe that's the evil aurochs interesting yeah yeah it's kind of funny because in norse mythology there's emthula which is the giant cow that i uh, bet that's where it came yeah but it was the devil it was like uh it was like the original like it licked the salt of the earth like the salt became like ganungiap or something and then through that is also birth or at least unthawed i guess uh buri who is oh. the uh, father of Boar, and Boar is the father of Odin. Ah, so... it's The books are set 6,000 years ago oh. in what we now call Scandinavia. Okay. So oh, that makes sense. Then, it's yeah. riffing a little bit. But oh, that makes still sense. Kind of then, its yeah. Own thing. But yeah, like, uh, yeah, so in case you want to hear, Odin's great grandmother is a cow. Yeah, so. yeah that's, huh. <laughs> so, really interesting to think about. It's mytholo- <laughs> I remember one point in my Norse mythology story where I had like them as teenagers. Whatever. There's one point where someone stubs their toe. I'm like, Ah, Amphila, mother of fury. I start saying that now. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But all right. Well, that's it for this week. <laughs> I just say at the end of every. Wait. Do it again. I'm hungry. I need my burgers. <laughs> if you want to get a hold of the show, and contact us at matchd at matthewdoncreator.com for any general questions to any of the co-hosts. If you want to follow me on social media, you can follow me at matthewdoncreator on Facebook, at matthewdon64 on Twitter, and matthewdon64 on Instagram. Uh, where can we find you? Or where is your, what's your, what's your <laughs> stuff to plug? I am an author. I have a novelette, The Spark. It's a sci-fi adventure. Yes. You can find it through Herith Publishing and mm-hmm. You can find that and more of my short stories and poems on my mm-hmm. website, stephenccurro.com. That's Stephen with a P-H-C in the middle, Curro, C-U-R-R-O. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I like having the name Matt Hall or Matthew Donald. Actually, no, there's still confusions. Like, is it one T or two? Like, who the hell names? I've said this on multiple podcasts before. It just drives me crazy. Who the hell is named Matt with one T? I'm not a floor mat. <laughs> Granted, people walk over me all the time. Well, but not... now, well, now you know how I feel. How many times people have spelt my name with a damn V? Granted, phonetically, it should be but a V. But my name's a the PH. Thing. Your it's instance, the way it, it is. It kind of makes it. It's kind of justified. There was, find me a Matt with one T. I've met people with Matt, oh, well, okay. with one T. My, my apologies. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as common as two Ts, but it's oh, there. I feel so sorry for this. It's like floor mats. Like, you can walk all over them. <laughs> people walk all over me all the time. I... I mean, not literally. I'm talking about like how they just. Oh, well. <laughs> like, it's a self-deprecating joke. I, lo- I do those. I see. No, that's good. Okay. Good on you. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, as I say, at the end of every episode of Paleo Bites, I guess. Yeah, for a cow. Oh, global warming. There, it got a little bit worse there. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. Uh, bye. <laughs> 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.